Welcome to another episode in Season 3 of the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi podcast, Naturally Educated. I'm your host, Tim Elliott, and as ever, this season, Abdurrahman Al-Zabi is here too. How's it going, AR? Going great, my friend, Tim. It's great to be back as well with you. Uh, and today, it's an important episode in this series. We're really championing sustainability in this series, and it's all about how we thoroughly assess the potential positive and negative effects of the decisions that we make. Well, this is the thing today. Here's the title. It's Mitigating Climate Issues Through Environmental Inspections and Impact Assessments. Now, that is a big, long title mm-hmm. with some long words. <laughs> However... Our expert today really knows his stuff, Uh, but there is a problem, Hmm. and I have to come clean immediately. We have a small issue. Today's guest, uh, Abdurrahman, shares your name. So, and I've already done it once, I need to call you AR for this episode, and our guest will be Abdurrahman. I hope that's okay. (laughs) Sure. Look, before we get into the discussion, just, just a quick reminder, as ever, we'd love to hear from you. Make sure you're following and getting in touch with us. And if you've got anything to say, if you want to reach out, share your comments, or if you have a story to share, let us know what you think. You can find us, all the usual channels, Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, at Environment Abu Dhabi, one word. And you can also find us on our website or YouTube at Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. And a like and a subscribe uh, would be great wherever you find or listen to your podcasts. Now, today's episode, Tim, as you mentioned, is mitigating climate issues through environmental inspection and impact assessment. Um, you know, in other words, is trying as hard as we can to not do too much damage, you know. Um, obviously, that includes decisions made by governments uh, when they decide to embark on huge industrial mega projects just as it does when a small business builds a new office and so on. Um, You know, to be honest with you, I don't know much about what these assessments imply, but I do understand that, um, you know, doing a survey, let's say, of what kind of, uh, you know, plants and and animals will be impacted by this development or project. Um, So, yeah, in the basic terms, uh, this is what I know. What we're going to hope to really do today is kind of explain, and it's as much for you and me, to be honest, as as anybody listening, you know, what an environmental impact assessment is, an EIA. Mm -hmm. We use those acronyms uh, all the time, but what really are they? Why we need an EIA? Uh, What kinds of projects you need to have an EIA? Uh, When's it required, you know? Some examples and the kinds of things that, you know, the experiences. It'd be great to be able to kind of lift the lid, if you like, and explain, Hmm. you know, just how these things work. Because I think... I certainly wasn't aware, and I think that's probably most for most people as well, that, you know, there's a lot more that goes into a project. They don't just come from nothing. There's a decision at so many different levels before we get mm. a new villa, a new building, a new development, a new park, whatever it might be. Fair enough. And, um, you know, these decisions, of course, you know, not only impact the, the, the specific, uh, let's say, plant or animal or whatever, but also the whole ecosystem, imagine, right? Um, uh, like a mangrove tree or a palm tree or whatever it, it may be, could be a house for a specific animal uh, or a specific, um, you know, bird and, and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, one of the things we talk about on this podcast all the time is, I mean, we're looking at the UAE, but it's it's a global issue, isn't it? That there are so many global environmental challenges, climate 
change, biodiversity loss. It will just be interesting to learn how environmental impact and assessment works and the effect that that has on those two uh, huge international issues. And our guest today, uh, I can mm-hmm. reliably inform you, is an inspector with EAD. So it will be a chance as well, which is great, to learn from a real expert. Absolutely. Well, you know, building on that, particularly this year, given that it's the year of sustainability, uh, I'm hoping that we can learn how to better plan and uh, have uh, as minimal of an impact as possible. So let's welcome our guest. Abdulrahman Al-Kadri is the Environmental Enforcement Officer at the Environment Agency in Abu Dhabi and joins us on Naturally Educated. Abdulrahman, great to have you here. Great to see you too. Thank you for having me here, uh, Tim. Thank you for having me here as well, Abdulrahman. Let's start, uh, Abdulrahman, right at the beginning, uh, if you don't mind, because uh, I guess the best place to start when we're talking environmental inspections and impact assessments is to say, what do you mean when you say to me, I am an environmental inspector uh, and I make assessments? What, what is it that you do? Yeah, so, so basically when we talk about um, environmental impact assessment, we mean a, it is a comprehensive study that covers a wide range from uh, a wide range of environmental aspects, whether it was negative impact as well as uh, positive impacts. And this serves as a baseline for the project from the uh, environmental point of view. Um, uh, the, the, the study may uh, take like a duration for one year sometimes, depending on the, uh, the, uh, the, the project itself. Is it huge or not? There are some certain criteria. The um, EIA, which is the Imp- Environmental Impact Assessment, covers, as I said, a wide range of aspects. Um, it goes to the, let's say, a, uh, the, the, the surface area of the project. Mm. For example, today, Tim or Abdurrahman, um, you guys are going to build a new studio. And uh, let's say it will be um, at the beach. <laughs> okay. Something similar to this one, but like mm-hmm. 10 times bigger. So you, you will come to us, to uh, EAD, um, requesting a permit to build the studio. But first, we need to have a look to the surface area. Is there mangroves? Um, how many are there? Two, 20, 200. Um, so when you are going to uh, build your studio, what are you going to do with it? And usually we deal with the consultant. I mean, not directly Tim or Rahman. Um, and... Are you going to remove them uh, or you will compensate? Um, if you're going to compensate and uh, plant other mangroves, sometimes you will need to plant in, for each one mangrove, maybe two, maybe 10, depending on the mangroves that are within the site itself right now, if it is mature or not. Um, what, we, what we mean by mature is that those mangroves, um, f- first of all, let, let me explain why mangroves considered like this natural treasure. Mm. Um, mangrove, uh, uh, the scientific name of it is Evansina, which stands for the scientist Evansina. Mm-hmm. And he did a lot of research in terms of the, uh, the benefits of the mangrove. So mangroves is kind of different from a lot of trees because it captures a lot of CO2 compared to the other average trees as well as it's uh, good for nesting for the birds, as well as nursery for the uh, fish. 
there is one fish called a uh, mangrove snapper. And here, here in Abu Dhabi, or here in UAE, we call it umadris. Yes. Um, as well as there is the lemon lemon shark. So they, they stay underneath this tree. Um, there are some insects who live in this tree. So you can see the this huge ecosystem in one single tree. That's why we emphasize the importance of uh, the mangroves. Um, additionally to the surface area, we take into consideration the, the, the air quality. What is the um, wind rose in this area? So what is, what, is, what is the direction of the wind for the one month, six months, one year, depending on the project itself? Where is it going? And uh, what is the knots of it? Uh, because we need to know if there is sensitive receptors in that direction or not. So for example, um, you're going to construct the, the, the studio. You will have the uh, construction phase. There will be fugitive dust. So where is the dust going to which side? And then how are you going to treat this dust? Are you going to put um, chemical suppressants? Are you going to spray water on the surface of the, uh, of the uh, sand? Um, are you going to limit the speed of the trucks in the construction uh, phase? So those aspects are taken into consideration. Additionally, um, uh, we, can, we, we see also the marine water quality or the, mean, uh, the marine water. Um, if, if the project is going directly to the sea, you may um, affect the hydrodynamic uh, of the water, the water circulation. So sometimes, in some cases, um, we've seen that building this building in, in the sea will cause some stagnation in this sea channel, for example. And then afterwards, we, you will observe odor coming because there's stagnation, less circulation going on, uh, as well as the waste. Uh, so a, a lot of huge uh, different aspects we cover. Of course, of course. You were just touching there on, on the type of projects that require uh, an environmental impact assessment. So why don't you expand on that? What kind of projects really um, kind of, um, yeah, it's important for them to have that aspect? Well, th there are some certain criteria. We call it de minimis. It's a Latin word. So in terms of the, uh, uh, the criteria, for example, the location, is it nearby a protected area or a historical area? Is it less than one kilometer or not? If you're going to construct a sewage treatment plant, how many um, meter cube are you going to treat per day? More than 50,000 or not? Um, the, the air emission, um, is it less than or more than uh, 100 ton per uh, year? And this depends on the parameter, for example, PM or uh, NOx or SOx or uh, carbon oxide. So there are, there are several criteria. It's like a scoring system. And then we see the overall and we say this project needs an EIA or a different type of study. But as I said, the EIA is considered one of the biggest studies between all other uh, studies, environmental studies. Abdurrahman, it's interesting this because it's essentially your job is to make sure that if, if I'm going to develop my new studio and I want to be near the beach and there are mangroves in the area, as an example, you're there to make sure that my impact is as minimal as possible, aren't you? So that I, I do the best I possibly can so that I can do business. So that I become, I suppose, ultimately, it's best that as a business, I become kind of part of that environment. Is that is that one way of putting it? Yes. Uh, so 
Um, we work hand in hand with the with the project owners, of course. Uh, before, sometime before they submit the IA, we we give them recommendations, um, uh, what to do, what not to do, and um, in in terms of the mangroves, th there are several available data in in EAD which we share with the uh, project owner. Sometimes we require more data that uh, we we work together with the project owner to to gain from the site. What is your best example of a an impactful um, impact uh, assessment that you've done in the UAE? Uh, usually, it goes to the power plants or RO plants, which is uh, reverse osmosis. Mm -hmm. um, huge steel facilities; those most of the time requires uh, an EIA. What role does technology play uh, when you conduct environmental inspections and impact assessments? And are there any new technologies uh, that are emerging to improve the processes that you already have in place? That, that, that's a good question. Um, see, recently we've launched a system what we call Iltizam. Mm -hmm. And Iltizam is an Arabic word, which means um, commitment, uh, compliance towards uh, environmental conditions. Uh, this system is used uh, in the field to uh, do the inspection reports. Now, here in Abu Dhabi Emirate, we have more than 90 identified sectors. This is metal fabrication, painting, uh, wood furniture, uh, wastewater treatment plants, so a huge variety. Those 90 falls under more than 2,000 industrial facility and development projects. You see, there's a wide range. Um, within this system, we ensure to uh, have the best management practices for all those identified sectors. Um, compared to the recent one, that, the, the, the old one that we had, uh, this is much faster, 80%, much faster than before. So we can do more inspection mm. easily, more flexibility with it. Uh, as well, we have the IHMMS system, which is Integrated Hazardous Material Management System, which gives us live, live data to the chemicals in the facility. How many are there? What is the quantity? What type of chemicals? Um, we've got the SIMS, which is the Continuous Emission Monitoring System that gives live data for more than 300 stacks in the industrial facilities about the parameters that's going out of the stack. We've used drones to monitor the, uh, the contamination in the surface of the soil for 10 heavy metals. Imagine a drone that flies up to 60 meters above the ground. And we, had, uh, we were able to cover in one day more than, uh, we were able to cover in one day 14 football stadium. Wow. The surface area, imagine. Wow. Yeah, that's the, and we, we introduced AI through this uh, project. So we were capable to anticipate, to predict as well, the, uh, the pollutants of the 10 heavy metals and the surface of the soil. And the beauty is that the more we feed this AI, the more the accuracy it goes. You know, one of the things that's dawning on me, Abdurrahman, is the scope of work. I mean, I, I think of Abu Dhabi as a city, uh, an emirate, which is developing rapidly. Let's put it that way. It's more than that, obviously. And I guess the scope of work that you have uh, to get done on a daily basis is huge. So things like a drone that is able to, or drones that are able to scan 14 soccer stadiums are a huge bonus for you. And instead of going and digging each one meter, taking samples, no, you can use a drone. And uh, actually there is a documentary in National Geographic we've uh, published uh, hmm. last year. 
in terms of this project. That's brilliant. You know, Abdurrahman, a lot of the, you know, technology that you're talking about, you know, the main goal of it is to make your job easier and to make the process more efficient and so on. I guess another thing that does play a role in that um, effort as well is policy, uh, regulatory framework, and so on. So how does that impact uh, the inspections and the assessments that you do? Well, the regulatory framework and policies in Abu Dhabi play a crucial role for shaping the environmental inspection. Um, these frameworks and policies are designed to ensure the protection of the environment and promote sustainability development. As an example, we have UAE Federal Law Number 24 of 1999 on the protection of the development of the environment. And we've got Law Number 21 of 2005 for waste management in the Emirate of Abu Dhabi. We have the Cabinet Decree Number 12 of 2006 regarding uh, regulation concerning protection of air from pollution. And there is more uh, regulations as well. It is important to highlight that inspectors in, uh, in EAD are judicial enforcement officers. They are well qualified to take the necessary enforcement actions with, with the violators, whether that is judicial referral, uh, whether that is uh, admin fine. And by the way, the admin fine varies from 1,000 dirham to 1 million dirham. Wow. Depending <laughs> on the case. It's a huge fine. Yeah, it is. It is. And the... Uh, the one million dirham happens if you uh, repeat the violation for more than two times. Mm. Um, we've got also the administrative penalties, and that means uh, we stop sometimes the permit, stop activity temporarily or sometimes permanently, depending on the case. Um, we've got as well the administrative penalties, which means uh, sometimes we stop permit, sometimes uh, we stop an operation uh, temporarily or permanently. And I guess, you know, these kind of fines and these kind of this framework makes people accountable uh, to the environment, which is which is a serious topic, as, as we explain here on the series uh, and on naturally educated in general. Um, and so this is actually a good step, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So additionally to that, we, we have also warnings. We do warnings. We have mitigation plans, sometimes action plans, depending on the severity of the case. So one of the fines, the from the admin fines, that cost around one million. This is all the only one that reached one million, is uh, spilling hazardous material to the infrastructure. I mean, discharging hazardous material to the infrastructure, and that caused damage to the assets. And so you can imagine the the cost to uh, fix it and uh, the damage that will happen to the environment as. I guess, Abdurrahman, that's particularly important in a in a desert environment as well. You know, the the water table is is fragile anywhere in the world, but in particular in a a, a harsher environment, you know, such as the UAE where we are. Yes, because yeah, the, the the spill that will happen in the soil, eventually it will reach mm. sometimes to the groundwater, mm. and that that will affect any. It will have consequences. Uh, maybe you need to treat it more afterwards. More effort will be done. Mm. Let's t consider the the two, I guess, the two big global environmental challenges, really. And those those are the things that we're really concerned with this season in particular on Naturally Educated. Um, climate change, first of all. We're in the year of sustainability. It's COP28 at the end of the year here in the UAE. And also biodiversity loss. That's another of the, the issues that we address a great deal on this podcast. Um, how do you effectively address both of those in terms of priority, I guess, here in the Emirates? Yeah, first of all, the, the impact of human activities in the global climate has been without a doubt recorded 
uh, and documented by the scientific community. Uh, EAD have launched the GHD for the fourth cycle, um, the greenhouse gas, uh, greenhouse gas emission, which shows the percentage of total emission from industrial processes, waste, agriculture, as well as energy. Um, taking into consideration the percentage combined between industrial processes and the energy was 92%. Yeah. So the, the inspection plays a crucial role uh, into, I mean, uh, in terms of the global environmental challenges, as well as the impact assessment. Um, we have the comprehensive analysis, mitigation measures, there is stakeholder engagement, and of course, long-term monitoring. As an example, let's say a steel facility, we ensure that there is ventilation hoods or enclosures installed and used to capture the gases. Um, we ensure uh, there is control in regards to PM, uh, particulate matter emission. This is for the cement and clinker, for example, facilities. So the inspection itself creates a profound, I mean, effect in terms of the GHG emission. It was 92% from the industrial process and the energy. So we uh, inspect industrial processes, we inspect power plants as well. So what you're saying is what, what you do is when it comes to the climate change and environment is basically showing the facts, showing what exactly is being done. And sometimes the, the truths are uncomfortable, I guess. Um, but anyway, let's take us back to how you do you know, your work in essence, like in terms of you know, detailed um, uh, steps of what happens when you conduct the surveys and so on. Um, not, not in detail, sorry, but more in general. Well, um, the inspection process usually starts, first of all, there's a schedule we have. And this schedule is based on a risk-based. So we have sector reports in Abu Dhabi, for, for Abu Dhabi Emirates. We know which sector have more risk to cause an environmental uh, pollution. So we focus on those sectors as well. We have the data for those facilities, the amount of production. Because as, as I said earlier, when they apply for a permit, they mention uh, how, what's the energy, how much is the energy that will be used, um, what type of production, etc. So a risk-based schedule will be given to the inspectors. And we go without notifying the facilities that we're coming. So suddenly they they see us, <laughs> and um, we start with an opening meeting. Um, we introduce ourselves. Why are we here? And the inspection process goes into two phases: documentation phase as well as the field inspection. <laughs> From the document uh, documentation phase, we look at the permits, and um, for example, the uh, the waste. For example, is he is he dealing with a, a approved service provider? Because you know sometimes. Uh, let's go back to the city that you, you will build. <laughs> um, in some cases, the owner will deal with a service provider, but he's not approved from uh, Tadwir. Therefore, this service provider could or can take this waste and throw it in a, I don't know, in, in a place that nobody sees him because he don't want to go to the specified location because it's far away. He don't want to lose, I mean, money for petrol or diesel. And he will throw it uh, between the villas. Mm. Yeah. Therefore, uh, we check for the permits. Are they dealing? We sometimes we check about the invoices. We see the latest. Uh, is is it only a permit or mm. he is dealing with him? Um, we see the civil defense permit, the environmental permit, IDB, industrial license, uh, uh, license, 
um, as well we see the air monitoring reports that he do, uh, that he does. Because you know, mm. one, once a facility uh, gets the permit, there is uh, permit conditions more than thirteen pages. Um, he's required to do um, monitoring reports. There are some guidelines uh, he must follow in terms of the waste segregation, in terms of the gas cylinders. It should be in a, a shaded area, uh, locked. Nobody can access it uh, unless you have the key. Uh, chemical store, there are some specifications as well. So we see the documentation, and mm -hmm. then we go to the inspection uh, visit. We start from the raw material, from where he received the raw material, and then to the operation phase, and then finally to the end product. And we go as well see the waste uh, area, how is mm -hmm. it maintained. So we cover the whole aspect of the facility to ensure the environmental compliance. Sounds like it, yeah, it includes a lot of aspects. And uh, although the inspection part sounds like it gets you into a lot of trouble. <laughs> Sometimes it does, but <laughs> alhamdulillah, people are cooperative. That's and, good, that's uh, good. Alhamdulillah. Okay, okay. I was going to ask that, Abdurrahman. Do, do you find that when you turn up to do the inspection, most of the time people are very, very friendly and very welcoming? <laughs> It depends if if he knows that he have. You know, sometimes they they try to hide it. So uh, <laughs> he, sometimes they will come. Any if if he sees our car or maybe he sees from the gate, he will call his friend just to cover the. I don't know. Stop stop the operation. I'm sure. Sometimes we can see some um, smoke going out of the building. Mm. But once we reach to the the facility, it suddenly stops. But. And then we, we start the inspection. Sometimes we let them run the operation and you can see it. Or maybe we check the maintenance record of the filter. I see. What about challenges that you face? Because we're building up a really good picture of uh, you at work on any given day here. But what about challenges that make it more difficult, perhaps, to conduct an effective environmental inspection? What, what kinds of things have you experienced? Um, honestly... Probably two that I will say. Um, it is very hot. Mm. <laughs> That's the first thing. It's very hot. Now, nowadays, it goes to 45 degrees. Of course. Yeah. The, this I think the challenge goes to everyone. Sure. Um, sometimes we see like a high turnover in the facility from the HSC officers. So we're dealing with certain uh, person and then suddenly he's gone. He, another one came. So we need to, again, work hand in hand to explain to him what he must do. Um, sometimes they don't know uh, to speak English or Arabic. Mm. So in this case, there's some, we, we bring translator if needed. I see. So there's a, a lot of challenges that, uh, that have similar, let's say, characteristics, but in different um, uh, inspections, um, which I guess, you know, it, it does provide a, a better picture in, in the sense that the HSE or, you know, the health and safety environment aspect of any project, any construction is actually very demanding. And, you know, it, it is important that people focus on it and so on. So, Abdurrahman, by its very nature, an environmental impact assessment is more like a predictive tool, right? Uh, it's an assessment, uh, after all, and it will set out uh, to thoroughly assess uh, the possible impact, positive or negative, as you explained. But, you know, that that's a proposed project may have uh, on the natural environment um, in that sense. Uh, the purpose of the assessment is to ensure, of course, that decision makers consider environmental impacts to decide whether to proceed or not on a project. So it, it, it's helpful for them to understand what they're getting into. So honestly, though, with the best will in the world, right, not every project is going to be perfectly environmentally responsible. 
as we know. So do EIAs allow for mitigation or offsetting in in some ways? In in terms of mitigation, uh, it goes through EIA as well as the inspection itself. Uh, There is a difference between mitigation plan and action plan. For example, um, we go to a facility. Now, the facility is already constructed. And usually here we deal with the mitigation more. Um, We found that the, the, the filter that he used is not being um, maintained. So we will ask the HSE officer, are you going to fix it? Uh, are you capable to fix it? So some facilities are capable to, to fix the violations that they have. Um, some facilities cannot, and then we ask for an action plan. The difference between mitigation plan and action plan is that the action plan, um, the facility will um, deal with the environmental consultant approved from the environment agency um, to fix the issues that you have. For example, some facilities don't know what type of filter to use in their uh, in, in the facility itself. Um, for example, they they have uh, open painting area, and this is this is not allowed because you have some VOCs going all around. It should be enclosed and there's a specific type of filter, maybe wet scrubber, depending on the case. Um, there is a certain pressure need to for, for the suction, um, the location of the suction, all, all those aspects. Sometimes the facility owner or the HSC don't have the knowledge how to do it. Therefore, he deal with the environmental consultant. This is an action plan. Um, in terms of mitigation plan, no, he, can, he say, no, I'll take the responsibility and I'm going to fix it. Mm. And he submit the document through TEM, uh, TEM platform, and we revise it. We work hand in hand, we give our comments, and then we visit uh, him while he's con- constructing it and afterwards. And we see from the air monitoring report as well. I guess also, um, it's not just environmental considerations, is it? There must be, I suppose, social considerations or cultural, you know, uh, archaeological considerations to consider occasionally as well a park that's being redeveloped, for example, or something like that. You, There are other things aside from the environmental assessment that you do. You'd look at more broadly at whether or not this is a good idea. Is this going to benefit people? Yes. Yeah, this is in terms of the EIA, yes. There is like a cooperation between government entities. So we give our notes or our comments and as well as the other government entities and, and then we share and sit together and come up with the a solution that uh, best fix all aspects. So with all what we have discussed and all the topics that you raised, I wonder how you can highlight to people listening the importance of the kind of work that you do and how can they help raise awareness through, through their own you know, work and so on. I, I would like to phrase it uh, in sense of our vision, which is a well-protected, sustainable environment that enhances the quality of life mm-hmm. that's our goal and that that's what we do on a daily basis actually that's, it's a great way to phrase it uh, abdurrahman do, do you mind if we ask you the the two well, it's kind of one question but two parts that we're asking everybody in this season of naturally educated just to finish off and it's really for your perspective on two things and they're both really important this year in the uae 
It's the year of sustainability, of course, 2023. It's uh, really, really important to, to EAD and to all of us here in the Emirates. It's also COP28, mm-hmm. the 2023 UN Climate Change Conference at the end of November, runs into December this year uh, in Dubai. Now, from your uh, perspective, what does it mean for the UAE to be hosting an event like COP28? It's a big, big international deal. The eyes of the world will be on the UAE. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm very excited and uh, to be part of it as well. I'm looking forward to to be uh, in COP. Abdurrahman Al-Qadri is a civil engineer and he's the environmental enforcement officer from the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi, EAD. Abdurrahman, it's been great having you on Naturally Educated. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Abdurrahman, for having me here in this beautiful studio. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming. What a fantastic interview. It's such an important job that it's almost thankless. You know, not a lot of people think of that important. Abdurrahman honestly really knows what he's doing. He really does. I, uh, he didn't say much about or to the question, you know, what's it like when you turn up? Because you know what it's like when an inspector turns up for anything. <laughs> or, you know, remember at school when you're in an exam, oh, yeah. the teacher stepped out and then the teacher came back. The change in how you were. I mean, I, and I guess he's really used to that. And he knows when people are, you know, playing the game or, you know, they're, they're acting in a different way. There's so much, as much as anything else, environmental or social or cultural, there must be so much psychology uh, in a <laughs> role like his as well. You know, it was fascinating to hear. And I feel like I've learned something today, uh, Abdurrahman, as well. Oh, really? What is it today? I feel like I've learned what an environmental inspection and an impact assessment actually is. I, I'm going to be completely mm. honest. I wasn't really sure about 35 minutes ago. <laughs> Me neither, to be honest with you. Me neither. <laughs> so this is, this is huge. This is incredible. It's worked. Anyway, today's episode of Naturally Educated, mitigating climate issues through environmental inspections and impact assessments. And a, a huge thank you once again to Abdurrahman Al-Qadri. He is Uh, of course, an environmental inspection officer, specifically an enforcement officer at EAD. Right, AR, can you let everyone know where to find us and get in touch with the podcast? Of course. All right, folks, we'd love to hear from you. It really helps to hear your thoughts uh, on the discussions we have on Naturally Educated. So please keep on reaching out uh, with your comments. And if you have a story to share um, about this episode specifically or in the season of Naturally Educated in general, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Environment Abu Dhabi, one word. Uh, There's also our website, ead.gov.ae, and our YouTube channel at Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. Please give us a like and hit the subscribe button too. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Naturally Educated. I'm Tim Elliott. And I'm Abdurrahman Zabi. Join us next time when we'll have another sustainability-themed and food-based episode. <laughs> See you soon.